Alright, as we continue on, we, we, today we actually want to look at the gifts of the Spirit. We kind of did a, an introductory prophecy thingy last week, but this week we want to actually look at this. So let me start off with this question. What's the difference between a spiritual gift and a natural ability? We keep talking about this, and yet it still keeps coming up because I think this is a little sticky sometimes for people. We tend to think, oh yeah, somebody's really gifted in something. By that, do we mean that they're naturally gifted, they came out of the womb like that, or do we mean that they're gifted by God like that? Um, an interesting common answer. Uh, there was one very famous pastor-type guy that said this. You know it's a spiritual gift versus a natural ability. When you use a spiritual gift, you feel refreshed. When you use a natural ability, you feel drained. So if you want to know whether something is a natural ability or a spiritual gift, that's the, that's the way to gauge it. I think I agree. <laughs> All right. Do you agree with that or not? Why? Why? Why not? Why don't you agree with that? Because some people have a natural ability that uh, they really enjoy. I, my nephew played for Cincinnati, and he played with King Griffey Jr. Okay. Very gifted, natural ability mm -hmm. athlete, and uh, he really enjoyed the game and and. Uh, and made it fun. But the problem was is when he got injured, he recuperated terribly because he didn't know how to work out. Oh, interesting. He didn't know how to really push himself to get back because he's never had to do it. It was such a natural ability. Okay, so that he never really had to do all that training and everything and so he got injured and he had to work out and he would do workouts and... So you're making even a distinction between there's there's, there's that natural giftedness, that natural ability, that potential spiritual giftedness where God supernaturally gifts you, and that hard work that we've talked about before where you go, and you're, you're honing this, and, yeah. or, or in this case, yeah. not necessarily. Uh, my brother was was a very gifted athlete, came out of the womb, very gifted. Especially in high school not the most motivated to actually work on that. You know. Alright, why, why else are you, are you thinking this is not necessarily the best distinction? Well, because some spiritual gifts are taxing to you. Uh, not that God is taxing you, he's, he's imbuing you with extra ability for purpose. That does not mean that you are mentally or emotionally prepared for that ability. Look at the Old Testament prophets. Yeah, yeah they're just walking around, I just feel so white. Yes. Well, yep. and, and there are things that I, I genuinely feel like God uses me in every once in a while, and I, and I love it, and I feel used, and that's great. But I was telling Wendy, you went on the drive in, and I feel used afterwards. Yeah. You're just kind of like, that is so not my natural uh, ballpark. My, it's not my natural wheelhouse. I, this, it, it doesn't it's mean exhausting. you're not blessed by it. It just oh, means yeah. that, that you're... It's above and beyond you. It's kind of a blessing that it is above and beyond exactly. you. Because then yeah. you can really see that it was the Spirit. And, and, and I know people that, given their lives, given their attitudes, I know they're not spiritually gifted in this sort of thing. But like uh, musicians who genuinely are refreshed by just sitting down at the piano and playing or doing things. You just go, they love it. They, they feel refreshed by that in their absolutely natural gifting. It's like, that's, that's not a spiritual thing. So, going off, oh, go ahead, what were you going to say? Um, I just wanted to point out that natural ability is mm -hmm. also a gift. 
I mean, God created you that way. Absolutely. And so it's not that it's uh, all myself. No. It's still a gift. Absolutely. I'm just trying to, I, I, I keep talking about natural giftings versus spiritual giftings. And, and it's good because we want to remind ourselves they're all gifts from God. But it's also helpful to remind ourselves not every gifting means it's a spiritual gift right. as, as such. So it's, that's why I was, in this context, making the distinction between natural ability versus spiritual gift. But remember Venn diagrams, right? Nice little overlapping circles of things. Think of it like a Venn diagram where you've got uh, natural ability, spiritual giftings, and stuff you've worked at to try to improve. So, like, people who, you know, kids that win the Precious Baby Contest, they didn't work on that, and that's not a spiritual gift. They came out of the womb cute. That's why they won the, the, the Precious Baby thing. Versus, if you ever saw the movie Rudy, you know, this kid has no natural ability. I'm not going to pretend he was spiritual gifted in football. He just worked really, really, really hard on it. That's why he's the hero of the movie. Speaking in tongues, the whole point of that is you didn't walk out of the womb able to understand and speak in other languages. And by definition, it's not something you study. It's just something that you just were only spiritual gifted. But there are some people that overlap or some things that overlap. Like Walter Payton was a gifted athlete who worked like a dog to get better at this. Moses, by definition, was somebody who worked at it, was gifted, but said, I'm not much of a natural speaker. I'm not good at this sort of thing. I could not think of an example of being naturally gifted and spiritually gifted without something that you've worked at. Kim Griffin Jr. almost fits the bill. Yeah. <laughs> if you were trying to say, oh, he had a spiritual gift. So if you can think of something here, remind me. Tell me after class. It's like, oh, there's this. Where somebody's naturally able and spiritually gifted and didn't end up working at it. But you put all those together, you get people like Peter, who had his natural inclination to go, I'm out there. Studied under Christ, worked. I mean, when you read 1 Peter, you see this dense packing of Scripture, an allusion to Scripture. He clearly fed himself the Word of God and studied it. And yet, the whole point of, especially that first sermon that he gave, <coughs> is that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And God took all of that, all that knowledge, all of that natural willingness to talk and do even if other people would say it's crazy, and led him by the Spirit to accomplish, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. So we're going to call that the sweet spot. You know, ideally, where, where, where you could accomplish all sorts of things for the Lord. But you understand, they're, they're, they absolutely can bleed over to one another. But there's, we're talking about different things. So you can be spiritually gifted and still hone that. You can be naturally gifted and still spiritually led, and spiritually gifted at a given moment. Make sense? Okay, so, in this class, we're specifically talking about how God supernaturally gifts his people for service with the Holy Spirit. We're not just talking about stuff you are naturally good at, or stuff you've worked at, though you could be naturally good and you should work at. But that means I need to stop for one quick second. Anybody know what the Greek word used in the New Testament for gift is? Anybody remember that? Charisma, from charis, meaning grace. Because to the Greeks, any giftedness, anything like that, any gift, is perceived as a grace given by the gods. Any kind of gift. You've got a gift here. You've got uh, money you didn't know was coming. Anything like that. You go, ah, oh, gods are showing you grace. You have 
grace, you've been graced. So a gift is gracedness. Which is where we get our English word charisma and our English word charismatic. First meaning of charismatic is somebody who has charisma, i.e. gifted by the gods, right? So when you hear somebody talking about, oh, Brian has such charisma, he's so charismatic. Literally what we're saying is, is the gods have gifted him. Second meaning that's germane to what we're talking about today, someone who believes that spiritual gifts are alive and active in the church today, a charismatic. So if you've ever heard about the charismatic movement, I know you probably know this, but I'm just telling you. When you're talking about charismatics, you're talking about people who believe in the spiritual gifts being active today. It's often used interchangeably with the word Pentecostals by people who aren't charismatics and Pentecostals. Because <laughs> Pentecostals and charismatics are adamant that they are not the same thing. Everybody else goes, oh, you know, Pentecostal charismatic movement. And then there's like the, the Pentecostal charismatic church that just annoys everybody because they're sticking them together and everybody goes, no! Ah, anyway, so we're talking about the, the, the spirit and, and his gifting is to us. Do me a favor. Let's jump into the Bible. Somebody read me 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. We're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians 12 today. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. <clears throat> you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Do you agree with Paul? Oh yeah. Obviously he's right. So you agree nobody can say Jesus is Lord unless they are a Christian. That one's a little harder to me. The other one... Wait, uh, but second. your elder said that Paul was correct. Yeah. Wait, are you backing off from the Paul is right thing? Jesus is Lord and believing it and understanding it. That is not by the Spirit. Oh. Just saying those words... Okay. That's, thought, yes, with that appropriate caveat on there, then yes. That's what he meant. I talked to him about it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were doing so good, Randy. <laughs> you were doing so good. I was so proud of you. And now we're going to have to talk after class. <laughs> what about all the people? Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, the, the demons identify Christ. Uh-huh. Um, so, I don't know if Paul would differentiate between people and demons. Uh, in general, I guess he would. Yeah. Well, but, but it, you mean in this particular context? Well, that's like, um, we're told that people used the used Christ's name and his lordship as an incantation to try to get rid of spirits, right? Back in, back in Acts with the seven sons of Sceva. Right. And, the, and the demons are like, yeah, I know Jesus and you don't. Yep, so, uh, or people, Jesus himself talks about people who call him Lord, Lord, and don't really know him. And he doesn't, he's like, I don't know you. You don't know me. You can use my name all you want. It doesn't mean that we know each other. So I would assume, yeah, that if you go, well, even demons believe he's Lord, are scared about that, right? So what point is Paul trying to make? Because I, I, Sarah's like, yeah, I'm a little bit of a Nobody can say Jesus is Lord unless they're a Christian. You're like, yeah, even the demons believe that. So what point 
is Paul trying to make? Or maybe maybe the better question is, why start off a discussion of spiritual gifts like this? Why why might you? Okay, about spiritual gifts. Let me start off by saying this. Why? Well, I think it is a, a, a gift of the Spirit to be that we understand that we are sinful and need of salvation, and He shows us the way of salvation. And, and specifically, so that is a gift of the Spirit to be able to be a Christian and say Jesus is Lord. Yeah, because it's not just salvation. What's the point He's making here? Not just that Jesus is Savior, but Jesus is Lord. 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 Yeah. And the implication I think here, and this is this is what. What Paul apparently told Randy and what Sarah was concerned about and I think what Brian is getting at. There's people who will say it. There's demons who understand it. But do you believe it? Do you actually think that Jesus is your Lord? If so, that is itself a gift of spirit. Before we ever start listing any of these, before we ever talk about this, the Spirit's already been working in you to, to have this sense of Christ as Lord. And nobody is really genuinely going to understand that concept and be able to say that unless the Spirit is already working in them. Now, there is that question of people who go, oh, but I, you know, I don't want to start listing specific things. But there's whole cults filled with people who, uh, who are saying, oh, but I, I do believe in genuinely that Jesus is Lord, and I want to live that out, and I, I have absolutely no relationship with actual God. So, instead of trying to take this out of its context and say, can we just pull this one verse out and say, Christians, uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Moonies that say that, that, that they love Jesus too, they're all Christians, we're all exactly the same. I don't think that's the point Paul is trying to make. So what is the point? Why, why bring this up about, you know what, everybody is following this, everybody who does this, is actually being led by the Spirit here. Everybody who does this. Uh, are they arguing where gifts were coming from? That's a good guess, I think. So division in the body over the eyeball and the Paul Ooh, that's a good guess. I like that. I'm not going to answer any of those questions yet, because that's it's the introduction to something. So as we get into the something, I want you to remember the question, why would he start off that way? And as you start realizing, and as you start thinking about, yeah, yeah, this is totally why you start off that way, please jump in with that. So if you go, oh, yes, this is exactly, you know, bring it up. Go ahead. I think, too, there's, there's uh, an adjective here okay. that's interesting. In verse 2, it says mute idols. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, Maybe there's a contrast there between idols that are that are mute and people who are following God, who are speaking things that are that are true. Well, yes, but maybe I, I think you're absolutely right. Except there's maybe one there's one slightly more clear parallel there. It's not that the pagans are mute, but the idols are right. Right. So it's it's not just that the Christians are talking; it's God is talking in them. So the, the 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 pagan idols 
are mute and the spirit is alive. Absolutely. And I think that and I think that is crucial as we get into the what is he introducing here? That is like, okay, they're following these mute idols who do nothing. They just sit there being blocks of wood or stone. You're following the Holy Spirit who's alive and well and doing things and speaking and working through you. Okay. So let's get into it. Somebody read me verses 4 to 6. <coughs> there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but the same God works all of them in all men. Okay. Do you see a theme here? What's Paul trying to say here? Everybody's different in what you see in one person isn't going to happen in another. Okay. Um, someone's going to speak in tongues, so somebody else. But, uh, don't judge, I guess. Okay. I mean, that's. I meant to disagree, but that's starting to read into the, the thing about the judgment. But, but yeah, I can see that. Any other themes that you see just in these verses? We'll tell you what was well, there, there could be a concern there, too, that people start dividing up factions based on victims. They okay. receive so it's like, well, we're the actual people. We never have those divisions about, say, gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> it's not like we even have names for charismatics and cessationists, as if they were two completely divisions. About, yeah. All right. So there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, right? Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God. So do you see a theme going there? I'm not, every, yes, you pulled out it, but do you see, just when you break it down like this, do you see any repeated theme, structure? It's the Trinity. Okay. It's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Listen right there. Okay, remember that. We'll come back to that in one sec. Remember that, because that's going to be germane. What else? Do you see, just in terms of the structure of these. Yeah, he's repetitionally hitting the idea of different but the same, different but the same. And he, I mean, Paul's very purposeful in how he writes and what he's writing. <laughs> I know. When, when Randy talked to him, he... It's almost like he has, a, almost like he has a, a genuine natural ability, but as a Pharisee, he really studied and honed that, but then he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We should talk about you that. You can put Paul in the Peter. We could! Okay. But yes, he's like, there's all sorts of other things going on, all these things you divide about, all these things that you judge over coming from the same God. Now, think about that, and how did he begin this? It's like, guys... <coughs> If anybody is part of the church, if anybody is saying Christ is Lord, you're coming from the same God. You're coming from the same Spirit, right? So, even though, even though we love to take these verses out of context and say, Paul is saying something about whether or not you're a cultist or not. And, 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 and you know, no cults. Yes, apparently cults, apparently if you can just get a cult member to say Jesus is Lord, they become a Christian. No, they had to have been a Christian. In context, what Paul is doing is introducing, introducing this idea of, guys, we're part of the same family, right? We're, we're coming from the same spirit. That's what we're doing. By the way, this Greek word for working here is 
and then gametan, um, literally uh, effects of power or energy being made use of. It's the stuff that is did. See, we could call this effects instead of working. In fact, that's what energy is. The English word energy is stuff that does stuff. That's what, that's what the Greek word means. Yes, it's stuff that's doing stuff. So, different kinds of effects. Stuff what got done by stuff what does stuff. And before we go any further, what important bits of information do you glean from all this? Brian already jumped on this. We're looking at different elements of God that's all still the same God, right? Why, though, connect God's spirit with our gifts? We have different kinds of giftings, but it's the same spirit. Why? Well, he's the one who interacts with directly, and we're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about the, he's the one who's giving these gifts. Separate God, right? No, the whole point is, no, no, it's all, it's all the same God. His whole point is, there's not different gods doing this. He's like, no, no, the same spirit that lives in Sarah, lives in Donna, lives in Nikki, lives in Ariel, lives in Ray. He's gifting all these gifts that he gives you as he sees fit. But why connect God's lordship with our service? You can make an argument that when he's talking about Lord, he's talking about the Son that we know, okay? But why specifically? Have you ever thought about this? Why in this verse, Link, we have different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord? He was very much a servant leader, servant Lord, and we're supposed to... Uh, Mimic Christ's behavior and what you did. Absolutely. But forget about Lord as Jesus at the moment. What does the word Lord mean, Dominus? So, what do you do with a Lord? You did mention quite often obedience. Mm -hmm. Even Jesus. Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. It's, it's not just, oh, we're serving, we're serving like Christ, though that is true. But we're also serving our Lord. It's the same Lord that we're serving. Our, doesn't Paul elsewhere talk about doing everything in Colossians as if you were serving the Lord? So why do you do service? To show that you're a good Christian? Do you even do service ultimately? This is the tricky thing. Do I serve because I like Kelvin and I want to help him? That's great. That's wonderful. I've been the kind of person that God wants me to be. But ultimately, ultimately, aren't I at my healthiest when I serve Kelvin because I'm trying to serve Christ? Not just because I'm trying to emulate Christ, though, absolutely, but also because I'm trying to serve Christ. I'm trying to say, God is my Lord. He's the Lord of every part of my life, including that Wednesday afternoon when I had things I really wanted to do and Kelvin needed some help, and I go, uh, I like Calvin, so I'll do it again. Good. You did it because you're a nice guy. And that's what Jesus would do. Good. Then you're following your role model. I'm doing it because it's not just my Wednesday afternoon. Even my Wednesday was a gift from God. He'd like me to do this. And I want to serve my Lord 
instead of just myself or even my brother, I want to serve my Lord. Well, there's other gazillion different things that you can do. But isn't it the same Lord that we're all supposed to be trying to serve in them? Aren't we, aren't we gifted by the same Spirit and serving the same Lord? Yes. Why connect God's energy with all the effects that we see? Because, like Sarah said, he, he's thought this through, right? He's not just being poetical. Each one of these means something. So what, remember how I described, what did I say energy was? Nice Greek word, what is it? Stuff that does stuff. Why connect stuff you see that's the reaction of stuff that does stuff with God's ability to do stuff? You see stuff happening in your life. Isn't that all from God? Yeah, yeah, no. You see stuff happening in your life. Isn't that all from God? You see effects of anything important that's happened. Didn't God bring about those effects? Well, I mean, how sovereign is your God? All the gifts you have, didn't they come through the Spirit? All, all the service you're doing, isn't it to the same God? All those, all those effects that you see, isn't that God being the great effector? Isn't he the blessed controller and sustainer of all things? Isn't that the way that works? He's not just being poetical. He's saying all the stuff that you tend to divide over or get the wrong focus and priority on or forget, all these things still point to the same God working, right? His same effective power in all these different things. Now I'll come back again. What does that suggest about how we start, right? Why start with, you know, any, nobody can say Christ be cursed unless he's this way. Nobody can say God is Lord unless he's this way. What? Is he trying to make a theological point there that we mangle and take out of context? Or is he, is he introducing this idea that he hasn't even gotten into the spiritual gifts yet? But introducing this idea of, guys, there's all these myriad things that you lose perspective on, but all these things point back to unity back to one unified God. Even if we're talking about a trinity. The whole point of talking about the trinity here is his unity. Right? Well, one thing we might say is that you know someone by their their energy. You, you know them by the things that they, that they do. So we know whether we're participating in the Trinity if we're doing the things that God does. You could even, in that respect, and I don't want to mangle this too much, but you could even say in some respects this word effects is functionally equivalent in some ways to the fruit that we've talked about elsewhere, where it's like you'll, you'll know them by their fruit, by the stuff that demonstrates what stuff is going on in their lives by the effects. That's what you'll see. So you go, yeah, I see somebody who's angry and bitter and caustic and self-absorbed and uninvolved, and you go, yeah, those are the effects of the spirit, right? And then, but the Bible's very clear that that's what comes from this. No, it's not. And it might not. You might go, oh, so that person isn't a Christian. Maybe they are, but they've gummed up the works a lot. 
maybe there's some pipe cleaning that needs to be happening in there. So that effects can come out that actually demonstrate the work of the Spirit in their lives. That's a good point. So we're going to read me 12.7. Now to each one, <clears throat> the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay, it's a little itty-bitty verse, but maybe we should stop and look at that one just a little bit, bit by bit, just to try to figure out what the concept is that Paul is pointing out. To each one. To each one. What's, what does that point to? We're talking about, I mean, you can look at the rest of the verse and see what he means, but I mean, just, why is he saying to each one? Mm-hmm. So, so to every person, this this is this is its own unique thing. Grammatically, what else does each one mean? Talking about the individuality of it. Does it mean everyone? Yep. Think about it that way. This is ambivalent. This goes two different cuts, two different ways. To each one, this works differently. Yeah. Okay. So. Something different and unique to Sarah than it is to Gary. And it's given to each one, some of them. Nope. Are we talking about the church? I mean, he's writing to Corinth. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about the church or are we talking about literally everyone? Oh, I think. We need the church, right? That's an interesting theological question. Um, at this, at, at, without getting into something huge, let's talk about the church specifically. Because there's some people go, no, the Spirit gives everybody. I mean, doesn't the Spirit work through, the Spirit even work through Pharaoh, didn't he? Yes. But I think the point that Paul is getting at here when you look at the larger chunk of, 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 of chapter 12 is he's talking about the church. So he's talking about each one within the church. Okay? The manifestation of the Spirit. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? Spiritual stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Actually, wait, let's not. Um, <laughs> the Spirit's showing himself in some way. Yes. Think about it. Because, again, I, the reason I want to stop is because because we will oftentimes read this verse and go, yep, and then move on. And so, stop and think about the implications. It's not just spiritual gifts. Spiritual stuff. When you see this, you see God working. You see the spirit moving. You've never seen the wind, but you've seen particulates in the wind. You've seen things knocked over. You've seen trees leaning over from the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see all the stuff that the wind is doing. You don't see the spirit, but you see the stuff that the spirit is doing. The, I don't know, effects, right? The stuff that shows that stuff is happening. You see this. So to everybody... Each one particularly, and to each one, you see this gift of the manifestation of the Spirit. Not just the spiritual gift itself, but the stuff that points to God working. That's exciting, isn't it? It's not just that, oh, I got the spiritual gift of growing an arm back. It was really amazing. Watch. Whoop, cool. It's like, no, the point of this, the whole point of the spiritual gift. The whole point of a spiritual gift is to point back to God, isn't it? To minister to the body, to point back to God. Yes. Oh, I just my arm. Oh, where are you? Okay, that's good. 
<laughs> I mean, we even talked about that with Christ's healings. Why did he heal some people, not others? Why did he heal? Why did he bring Lazarus back? Because he didn't want Lazarus to be dead? No, Lazarus died twice. Couldn't have been that God just didn't want Lazarus dead. So why? Every healing he did was to point back to God, to, to honor God, to glorify God. That's the whole point of this. To each one, the manifestation of the, of the Spirit is given. like the sons and sons of Sceva did, right? Because it's a magic incantation. If you just claim it hard enough, you get what you claim. Like, you don't end up like did. <laughs> now, I, I want to be careful that uh, we, don't, we don't sow division saying these things, but, but realize, no, there are, whole, there are whole theologies that pop off because they, they don't pay attention to one single word. It's a gift, not something that you claim. Well, we had that whole Venn diagram where we started this, yeah. right? Where there's stuff that you can work on. But to have that just really given. And why? Why is it given? For the common But I thought we started off individually. It's an individual thing. God is working uniquely in Michael and uniquely in Gary and uniquely in Lucy. He's working uniquely, yes? Individually, yes? So that I can be blessed by my spiritual gift. I need to know what my spiritual gift is so I can take that spiritual gift inventory so I can walk around going, man, Brian, you've got a, a, a spiritual gift of health, and that's really good. Those of us with spiritual gift of leadership and amazingness think you're helpful. Thank you. <laughs> and you really bless people. You really bless people. You really do. And I feel so blessed all the time with mine. Is that why I'm gifted at any given point? Oh, we did. We did. Yes, good point. No. Well, I think also that um, this is the personhood of the Trinity, and it's maintained. Our personhood um, is maintained also. I mean, we are united in Christ, um, but that doesn't mean that we're now all like one person. Um, so I think um, that's significant. I mean, we're not like getting kind of, we're not like losing like our personhood in, you know, some force. I want to think of an analogy that works for this. Um, you, you, unique, but still attached, because you because as a Christian, you're never just a person, just one person. You are part of a community and an important part of a community. And you're not the same as the other parts of the community, but you're all connected in a very organic sort of... I, I can't think of a good analogy for that. No, no, I'm thinking about something... <laughs> You are right. Man! I love it when you guys are in the classroom. 
scroll down like body as an analogy for the community of Christ because I think that's important. How would you sum up verse seven here? Beyond just yep, everybody's giving gifts. Ooh, we jump over verse seven. Yes. I agree. One. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. But at the same time, don't give something that needs to be blamed. Isn't that? Isn't that? Well, okay. It depends on what you. It, it depends on what you mean. Um, if, if if I if I want to give you a gift, I'm going to give Wendy a gift. Yes, at some point she has to reach out and take it, right? If if God gives you with a, with a, a word of prophecy, we're told even in Pauline corpus that you could clamp down and squelch the spirit because he tells you don't don't do that. So apparently you can, um, and at the same time you can step out in it inappropriately. And at times you could step out in it appropriately. So. You have to make a decision as to what to do with that. Um, but it's still a gift. The problem, I think, that, that Michael and I were pointing to is people who say, I want the gift of a Maserati, so I'm totally claiming it on the word of faith. But uh, the, of the word of faith that Jesus wants me to have a Maserati, and I say this in Jesus' name. I, I claim the promises. I claim the promise of healing. God wants me healed. By his stripes I am healed. And I claim in Jesus' name the I claim the gift of Sarah's bag. I claim the gift of Sarah's bag. Michael now owns Sarah's bag because Jesus loves Michael. That's the sort of claiming that's that's the sort of claiming that we're talking about that's inherently dangerous. And I think thank you, because that's an important distinction to make. You need to accept the just like salvation is a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's a are we told that nobody's gonna come to the Lord unless the Spirit is drawing them? So even salvation is a gift from God, but it needs to be claimed. It needs to be accepted, and yet, it's not so that you can go, I'm saved. No, 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 it's not, it's not your work doing it, yes. It's easy to point out, like, the ludicrous things that they often say, but isn't the foundation of the problem, like, where the gift is originating from, like, I, I think that's what you're saying. Yes, but, like, the name or claim of people, the gift is originating from that. It's their idea, no. they're claiming a certain gift. No, they would never say it that way, but right. arguably you could say functionally that is exactly what it is. It becomes... <clears throat> Again, and I don't want to beat this drum too much, but it's so germane. Again, it becomes a magic trick. If I do, if I do this wording this way and jump through that hoop, I get this effect. That's that's magic. That's the opposite of what God is doing. The difference between, and, and some, especially especially people outside the church, but even people within the church, struggle with the difference between magic and the power of God. That magic is, is you trying to affect yourself and the world around you using spiritual, supernatural power. Christianity is God being supernatural working through you to affect things in, a, a, in you and in the world around you. And you go, what's the same thing? Fundamentally different. It's the exact opposite. It's not me using supernatural tools to do stuff. It's, if anything, supernatural using me to do stuff. The exact opposite. Alright. How am I stopping and really thinking about this? Really thinking specifically about verse 7. How could that help prevent a lot of abuses of the Holy Spirit and of the spiritual gifts that we see in the church today? Think about how spiritual gifts are abused. Think about how people don't use them. Think about people... How would stopping and thinking about any given part of this or all of this together 
help prevent any of those? suggest the moment you go, I'm amazing because I have the spiritual gift, you go the whole point not to be obnoxious about it, but the whole point is apparently you couldn't have done this on your own not to be really mean, but apparently you're not that amazing look, I, I raised somebody from the dead, no, you so didn't God raised somebody from the dead, he used you if he couldn't use you, he would have used that donkey over there but the whole point of the spiritual gift of raising somebody from the dead is that you didn't do it. What were you going to say? Um, I'm not sure which way you meant abuses of the spiritual gifts, but I grew up learning that they had ceased. Um, and I never want to just take one verse and run with theology based on that, but this sure sounds like everyone in the church is gifted by the Spirit for the church. <laughs> it sure does, doesn't it? Okay, I grew up in a church also that, that taught the same thing. And... And, and somebody in, in, in college challenged me to do a Bible study to, to prove that the spiritual gifts have ceased, the sign gifts have ceased. And um, I, I, I basically convinced myself that they didn't. Because I'm like, wait, there's like only one verse that would even recommend that. And you'd have to really take it out of context to make it say that. And so I, I, you, could you sit there and go, well, this is being abused by the church, and that's being abused by the church. I'm not sure the spirit works that way. Fine. But the idea of saying, by the way, I have unilaterally decided that none of these things exist anymore because there's a verse one time that said tongues will cease. So none of these things happen anymore. I'm like, I probably think that's uncomfortably dangerous. I had no idea of the common with the spiritual gifts. I mean, obviously, I've heard tongues have ceased. I've heard there's a whole, some terminology. There is. Yeah, but there's, there's, a, there's a whole yeah. chunk of the spiritual gifts list called sign gifts. Things that, anything that looks out of the ordinary, all that ceased at the death of the last apostle. There's a whole theology about that. And I don't see anything in scripture to say that. Um, but I'm not trying to turn everybody into Pentecostals or Charismatics, whichever way you want to go with that. What I'm trying to do is to say, huh, how about we don't put God in a very little itty bitty ornate box and tell him that's all he gets to do. How about we just take the vast majority of scripture at its word and <coughs> let God do whatever he wants to do. And if he never raises the dead through you, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. He tells you he's not going but, to do that for any person. Oh, you're getting ahead. Anyway, so yes, it, remembering where the gift is coming from, remembering it's a gift, remembering that it's for the common good, remembering that not everybody has all exactly the same, but everybody is being used by God in some way, and God is trying... Yeah, if you stop and think about the different parts of this verse, a lot of things that people, even within Corinth, gasp, we're struggling with, that we see here in a minute, those things go away if you actually stop and think about this verse, right? I'm sorry if this is off topic. No, you aren't. A little bit. Um, and to really think this through, that every single person in the body of Christ is uniquely gifted... I don't know, man, that kind of steps on my toes a little bit to think about, well, well, let's use youth, for example. Well, they're just kids, so what are they really bringing to the field? I honestly don't think they're going to be youth. But we don't put them in the same category. But if they're uniquely gifted, then shouldn't we be 
utilizing them the way the Lord wants us to and the way the Lord wants it gives everyone more purpose, more reason, more importance to the kingdom than I think we sometimes build out. Shed a single tear listening to you. <laughs> yes, I did. I have never been more proud of you than just this moment. Yes! I mean, you talk. I mean, how have you heard me, like, almost every week refer to even the littlest kids going off to children's church? Our littlest FCCers. Do I want them teaching Sunday school? No, they are not gifted in that way. Because um, they don't have the life experience. Remember the Venn diagram? I don't even care if you go, wow, they came out of the womb just able to explain things to people. I'm like, yeah, they have so little knowledge and they're immature. No, I'm not putting them in a leadership position. Having said that, can they be involved? Absolutely. I don't want them driving a car. I don't want them owning a firearm. I don't want them teaching Sunday school. There are things that some people can do and that other people can't do. Or maybe just yet. But can they be gifted by God? Absolutely. Can a child have a gift of healing to pray and, and somebody be healed? Absolutely. Could a child have a gift of knowledge where they come up and they say something and you go, I have no idea how you would even know that. Could a child have a gift of, of wisdom? In fact, if anybody, if anybody could step out and, and, and with a gift of prophecy or wisdom, a child is one of the best people because they're too ignorant to know that they shouldn't. Because so many times we sit there and go, I'm not going to say, Peter didn't have this problem. But then most of us would sit there and go, I had something in mind, but I'll keep it to myself. Most people are not going to go, that, woo, woo. a five-year-old might. Well, if you look at Jesus, when he was a kid, he was teaching the teachers of the temple, but he didn't really start his ministry until he was an adult. Right. He, he waited until a certain age, and then that's when God decided to use it. Well, yeah. I mean, he waited until he was priest age to be a priest. Yeah. And one of the gifts listed is the gift of faith. And when Jesus is talking about the children, he says that all our faith should be like theirs. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I genuinely believe but that a child can be gifted. And yet I sit there and I go, <sighs> we, we, the, the sweet spot of the Venn diagram is the person that, that is also taking time to study, to learn, to, to improve in this kind of stuff. Because again, just like we just got finished talking about, even with like a gift of tongues or a gift of prophecy, even Paul sits there and says, yeah, but the person with that gift can, can squelch it or use it badly or use it inappropriately or uh, cause a ruckus in the service that was designed to bring about order. Instead, they're bringing about chaos. But, so you go, okay, I, I want to make sure that we, we do all these things, that we disciple people and they grow in the Lord and they grow in their understanding of scripture and they grow in their maturity and in their relationships with other people and they're reminded what common good means. I love the children in our church and I actually do appreciate it when I'm sitting in the service and I hear kids talking and they're giggling or they're engaged. For the most part, I appreciate because I'm like, they're awake, they're engaged, all that kind of stuff. You go, right, and they're being remarkably irresponsibly dangerous to the people around them. They're drawing other people's focus away from the Lord. They're, they're not thinking about the people around them in a, I don't know, immature sort of way, because they're immature. I appreciate that they're engaged, but they're not really thinking about the people around them. Do I believe that they can be gifted by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do they understand the whole concept of the common good? Not, not, not entirely. So let's all work on this. Let's train them. Let's help them. Let's encourage that. Not just, 
not just Billy, you need to understand common good. You're not really thinking about the people around you. Shh, there are people trying to pray. Shh. Yes, that's good. But shouldn't we similarly also be fanning the flames of the Spirit in their lives? Shouldn't we also be encouraging them to step out in gifts that God is giving them? Amazingly, it's a both hand. Did you guys say something? Or what are you? You were. Okay. No, we were talking earlier about how it can be exhausting to have been used by the Spirit in a spiritual gift. And I think that much of why we need to be investing in the Spirit and seeking the Lord and really working to form ourselves into what the Lord wants us to be is so that we can wield those spiritual gifts when He deems appropriate for us to use them with some endurance and some um, wisdom. Um, I, I think we are required to work on that. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not a name it and claim it person, not in the least, but I am one that I really think that we have to prepare our hearts to be ready for what the Lord wants to give us. If you've hung out with me for any length of time, you understand I, I always want us to try to work on things on multiple levels at the same time. Should we do outreach as a, as a community of Christ? Corporately, do outreach. Should we do outreach where we're inviting people to come into our facility and join us? Yes. Should we do outreach where we go out into the community and reach people? Should we do outreach as families and from our homes? Should you do outreach as an individual? You're all nodding as if... So which? Which of those is best? <laughs> yes. Which of those is best? All of those is best. And I'm actually using that grammatically correctly. All is best. Doing all of those things is the best way of doing this. Corporately inviting people to come join us, corporately going out to them, as a a family, as a household connecting with people, individually connecting with people. If you hit multiple levels at the same time, that's the best way. That's the best way of doing this. So is the best way to let God use you and say, I am just an open tool. Yep. Is the best way to say, I need to work on this and make sure that I clear the paths in my life so that God can use me. Yes. And I need to do this, and whatever God wants, I, I need to realize that I am I am going to be uniquely gifted at that moment. It may not be the way that David does things. Yes. So it's individual. Yes. God's working on me as an individual. Yes. Or should I think of myself as part of a larger community? Like, what was the example you used? The body, the body, the body, the body. Should I think about it that way? Yes. Well, what's the best way? Yes. The best way is to think about all those things at the same time. I need to train a teenager because they're a teenager. There's a reason why 14-year-olds aren't handed keys to drive a vehicle. It's a re- there's a reason why they're not handed keys to drive a public transportation vehicle. There's a reason why you don't take a 13-year-old going, do you understand that planes... Fly. Yeah? Go for it. Go be a pilot right now. Show us. There's a reason why you don't. Why? Because they're not trained for that. And they're not emotionally prepared for that. What did I say? 13? 13. Um, but if you go, but I, I, I really want them to understand. Okay. Then what should you be doing? Training them. Well, I thought you said they couldn't be a pilot. No, until somebody's trained them. 
So I shouldn't train him? How am I losing here? Train him. But realize, you're training them specifically so that the Holy Spirit can use them. Not so that they do it themselves so well. Ideally, we're here, as we're talking about spiritual gifts, like, it's the manifestation of the Spirit. And you might sit there and go, well, I tried really hard to clear the paths of my life so that God could use me in healing. Then I believe you misunderstood the whole point of the gift. Clear the paths of your life so that God can use you however he feels like using you at that moment. You might say, I don't actually need a healer right now. What I need is, okay, I need a Samson. I need somebody to rip this line apart. And I will spiritually gift you to do it. You might go, I'm actually physically very strong. I'm tempted to say that, let me anthropomorphize. I'm tempted to say that God would go, what part of spiritually gift you to rip apart the line did you not listen to? You are not physically able to? I'm not really a gifted speaker, Lord. Oh, Moses, I wasn't saying that you would be. I'll be doing the talking. You just make your mouth move. But I'm doing the talking here. I need, I need you to be my instrument for public speaking. I don't public speak. <laughs> you will. Can we just open ourselves up to being used by God? However, and you go, okay, so open myself up for any spirit to use me anyway. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. This is where discipleship comes in. There's a lot of spirits out there doing a lot of things, including your own. So how about we work on maturity and learning and growing so that you understand the difference between I thought this was a good idea to say, Satan thought this was a good idea for me to say, or the Holy Spirit thought this was a good idea for me to say. And even if it's the Holy Spirit telling me, I said it this way and in this context with this heart. So do all this together. I know I sound like I'm probably beating this drum really loudly, but it's, it's not a complicated concept, is it? Just work on being used by God as best as you can. Make sure your hammer doesn't get all rusty. Make sure that make sure that your your, your Phillips head screwdriver still looks like a Phillips head screwdriver and not like a club. I mean, just be used by God however He wants to use you, and and work to being able to be used by God however He wants to use you. And when I say you, I mean each of you. I don't care whether you're three or thirty or eighty-three. Can God use you? Okay. An amazing number of us, an amazing number of us in the church struggle with that because we forget verse seven, and we think, "I'm not actually. I don't actually have any spiritual gifts." Michael does. I've heard him sing, and he sings beautiful. That means he's got a spiritual gift of singing. Really? No, it doesn't. Maybe he's got a natural gift of music. Maybe he doesn't even have that, but he's worked really, really hard with really, really good coaches. He didn't have a spiritual gift or a natural gift. He's worked at it. Or maybe he had a natural gift and he's worked at it. Maybe he's got a natural gift and then God supernaturally, spiritually gifts him. Maybe he's got a natural gift that he's actually worked on in practice and he lets God work in him and change him and use him. Which is the one that I kind of think. He has a natural ability in music. I know he's worked at it. And I know that everything he does is saturated in prayer by God using him. So Kelvin says, well, I, I don't actually have any spiritual gifts. Michael has a gift of music. And so I, I don't actually have Verse 7 would suggest, couldn't, couldn't God use Kelvin too? Maybe, maybe even in music. And Kelvin goes, I'm not a good singer. I'm like, I didn't say you were. Couldn't God 
use you? Sure. Couldn't couldn't you walk on water, Peter? Oh, I, I've never been good at walking on water. <laughs> couldn't God use you to walk on water? So it's a matter of going, how about let God figure out what he wants to use you for, but then do it for the common good to honor God. So just because I, I actually opened this up, let's make sure that we read verses 8 through 11. Because I can't get through this first time without at least reading verses 8 through 11. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing the spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individual just as he goes. Okay, so why have these gifts been given in these verses? And, no, it's not a trick question. This one's a good And, because you, you can look back at verse 7, that's fine. But also, you look at the end of verse 11, and it's like, and, and who's doing it? And, and any other comment out? Anything else in verse 11 that sounds like Paul's being redundant? Huh. So the same spirit is giving to each one individually so that they can minister to Huh. And this these are these are all of them, right? It's a comprehensive list. How many how many spiritual gifts are there? We figured this out last week. How many? Seven. Catholic Church is very clear. There are seven. They match up against the seven deadly sins and the seven cardinal virtues and the seven beatitudes of which there are nine. But, no, there's, there's nine. There's other people who talk about the nine. 25 is actually a number that people throw out a lot. The 25. How many spiritual gifts are there? You guys came up with like 49, was it, last week? Should you look at this list as comprehensive? If it's not on this list, it's not a spiritual gift. If so, you haven't even read all of Paul, right? Because he lists some, lists some in Romans, he lists some in Galatians, he lists some in Ephesians. You're not even listening to all of Paul. So why even list any gifts at all? If this isn't a comprehensive list, why is he trotting this out at all? Two, I don't know how particularly applicable these specific gifts were to Corinth at this time that he needed to kind of hammer that point home. I'd be willing to bet you they're <laughs> picking specific ones for a good reason. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because I mean, in the chapters that follow, a couple of these have talked about. So. so but you go, why, why bring out these? If this isn't a comprehensive list, is it possible that these are specifics that they specifically need to specifically work on? Quite possible. But what's the point he keeps getting at? Any repetition here? One spirit. Anything else? Same spirit. It's the same spirit giving so that you can minister to everybody. There's a unity, a community <laughs> that you individually are part of. Almost like you're part of a body. I'm going to encourage Paul to maybe jump into that analogy soon. What? Oh, we, 
We have to stop now. We don't have time to get to verse 12. But remember that for next week. Scribble down. Pretend like verse 12 is using Kelvin's analogy of the body. And let's remind ourselves, even when Paul is listing the gifts, he's not listing them so that you can have a list of spiritual gifts to choose from or to desire. In fact, when he says eagerly desire the greater gifts, which on this list is that that he's talking to? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much. I thank you that you give us the greatest gifts. And almost invariably, they are not the ones we wanted. Lord, I thank you for your wisdom. And I thank you so much that you give us gifts as you choose, when you choose, so that we can serve you as Lord. And we can see the manifestation of your energy of your effective power, and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you guys teach this class so much better than I do.